Can I ask you a question? You only got into minute. You didn't even get points. Uh, <laughs> 140. The arse. No way you're at 140 IQ. Off the ball. Weekdays from 7pm on OTB Sports Radio. Ball Daily. And you're welcome to Off the Ball Saturday here on News Talk. John Duggan with you through to five. We hope you're doing okay around the country. It is Arsenal 1, Tottenham Hotspur 1 in the North London Derby with the Manchester Derby as well. Live here on Off the Ball tomorrow. Derby games. I'll be a large part of the conversation today. Football Saturday on the way from three as we bring you all the latest scores and discussion, including a recap of the Republic of Ireland's Nations League campaign. Now, Paula Donovan is one of the greatest athletes Ireland has ever produced. You can hear an exclusive interview with the Olympic and world rowing champion after two. We'll also hear from Mead's All-Ireland football winning player and current Aussie rules footballer with North Melbourne, Vicky Wall on the show. And at around half one, we will pay tribute to the Dublin and Gaelic Games legend Brian Mullins, who sadly died yesterday. 53106 for your number for your text if you want to like pay tribute to Brian on the show today you can also tweet us at Off The Ball. Shane Hannan and Will O'Callaghan join me for the news round. Gents good afternoon. Afternoon, afternoon John. John. Thanks. Not too bad we'll start with that sad news about Brian Mullen Shane. Yeah terribly terribly sad news that came in um, yesterday evening as well. Um, yeah, a big loss to Dublin GA and Dublin GA have led the tributes to Brian Mullins who has died as John said at the age of 68 after a short illness they've described their four-time All-Ireland winning midfielder as a colossus as a manager Mullins led Derry to league and Ulster title glory in the 90s and they have described him as an icon of Gaelic football and that seems to be lads the, the words used legend and stalwart I think in a lot of the, the tributes in the last uh, number of hours but uh, yeah a sad loss for Dublin football and St Vincent's as well Yeah I'd be a Dublin fan obviously from Dublin and growing up I wasn't uh, lucky enough to see Brian play but um, his name was synonymous with Dublin football and you just knew Brian Mullins was the legend that he was uh, growing up and I was lucky enough to do an event with him at Good Council GA Club a couple of years ago and uh, lovely man uh, straight down the line in terms of his opinions measured thoughtful in, in the opinions he had in Gaelic games and uh, look his legacy to, to win the four All-Irelands and go through the whole era really played in all those All-Ireland finals the six in a row uh, from what 74 to 79 was a 19 year old in 1974 a big uh, part of Kevin Heffernan's plans kind of burst onto the scene that year at midfield and, and then won 76 77 came back from a serious car crash to win the All-Ireland in 1983 and there was that iconic photo of Ray McManus put up there on Twitter today of uh, Kieran Duff and Brian Mullins arm in arm down in Cork at Porky Cueve when Dublin beat Cork and it was such a novelty for the Dubs to go down there on that hot day in August and win the semi-final replay and then they won. He was sent off, obviously, in the in the one of the twelve apostles in that game against Galway in in eighty three. But Will, uh, you went to UCD, and not only did Brian uh, give so much to Dublin Gaelic football, but also to physical education and sport with uh, UCD as director of sport there in his later life. Yeah, I think um, it was just a couple of years before I first darkened the halls of UCD that Brian had been appointed as the director of sport. It's the turn of the century, come back from his time when he'd been teaching in Donegal, which had led kind of indirectly to managing Derry in the nineteen eighties as. Uh, Shane mentioned in winning the Ulster title in 1998 and then um, basically Brian along with Davy Billings is pretty much spearheading the incredible players that were coming in on scholarships at the time and UCD had a particularly good recruitment at the time that I started in the college in 2004 and the first time that I met Brian Mullins I was working for the Observer newspaper at the time and I was writing the GA sections in the sport and it was to meet Babs Keating when he was unveiled as the new manager to try and win them both a Fitzgibbon and a Dublin Championship at the time. And as it worked out, Babs Keating as manager brought titles in 2004 and 2005 in the Dublin Championship to the hurling team in UCD. And they also won the football championship in 2005. 
And I think both Davy Billings and Brian Mullins were remarkably good at convincing people to pick up a scholarship and decide to go to UCD when you know the best in the country were deciding what they were going to do after second level. And they had some remarkable players around about the time. Stephen Lucy from Limerick, Andy Smith from Pertumna, a host of players from Kilkenny, Dublin particularly. And in the football, they recruited players who'd won the All-Ireland Minor the previous year. And just such a good recruitment drive. And the first thing that Brian did was just kind of sit me down and have a chat about the way the paper was going to cover the GA teams. Wanted to try and get some more GA into the paper where there was a lot of competition, particularly with rugby and with the League of Ireland team being yes. on the grounds in Belfield as well. And thankfully, we were blessed with a really good period where UCD were remarkably successful. And it seemed that, you know, Davy and Brian just worked brilliantly together during their time there. And UCD were tremendously successful. The Sigurdsson invaded that group of players for the football, but they were really, really good and competitive in both hurling and football uh, during that time and I think as well um, Leinster Rugby were quick to tweet after Brian's passing was announced yesterday that he was instrumental in UCD setting up their training base at Belfield where they've been for the last 11 years as well so a remarkable sporting legacy left in UCD and the last kind of chats that I would have had with Brian were actually all around St Vincent's in recent years because he was, if he wasn't directly managing the team, he was always involved either as a selector or someone who was at St. Vincent's game. In the blood then. And he always spoke about 1976 being such yeah. an important moment when they beat Roscommon Gales. And he was the manager when they won the Leinster title in 2017. And I think one of the last chats I would have had with Brian was when they beat Road after extra time in Port Leash in a final when um, certainly Connolly was brilliant that day. Mossy had a really good day as well. And Brian, I don't think, was on the management team. We just came up for a bit of a chat with us on the radio afterwards. And just an absolute gentleman from the first moment I remember walking into UCD to the last time I would have been chatting to him, what, I suppose, about five years ago now at this stage. So may you rest in peace. Yeah, well said, Will. Yeah, the stories that, that came out over the last uh, number of hours as well and, and in the newspapers today about him just didn't realise that. Yeah, I think he made his his Dublin debut 24 hours after he played for Leinster under-19s in a rugby match against Ulster and Ravenhill. He played, played cricket, cricket as well, yeah. Like yeah. just an all-round sportsman, yeah. And like, obviously, before my time in terms of watching him play Gaelic football live, but you see the videos back of the the blonde locks and the the the, blo- the broad shoulders and like such a presence on the pitch as well. You couldn't help but notice him from even from the camera point. Um, he's one of those players that just stood out in the pitch. Uh, like, I was just reading Pat Spillane talking about him in the in the I think it was in the Irish Independent this morning. He was saying Brian Mullins was to Dublin what Roy Keane was to Manchester United, a true leader, and that that seems to be the an engine room. He was the engine yeah. of the Dublin team under Kevin Heffernan. And in the Irish Times today, there's I think Sean Moran writes about Heffernan talk about the 1974 All Ireland final when Mullins was 19 and he injured his ankle before the final against Galway. And Dublin were in the complete wilderness. They were out of Gaelic games. They hadn't won since '63. Uh, the, the sport was in trouble in the capital, and this was really important. And uh, the the line in the paper is, "He has to be right. He has to be right." From Kevin Heffernan about Mullins' participation in that final, and he did play, and he did play, and was part of the winning team for Dublin as they began their resurgence. And then, as I said to Span, his last appearance was in a, an '85 All Ireland uh, final when he was taken off by Kevin Heffernan. And then the next year, when Heffo left, uh, he was the player manager of Dublin. I would have expected him to go back and manage Dublin, say in the in the noughties, but never really happened. Yeah, and like he's just. I think he managed the underdogs. That remember that TG four. Uh, yeah, I yeah. think you're right. I think it was one of the very early series of the underdogs yeah. as well. Maybe May could well have even been the first one. Yeah, he's synonymous with Heffo as well. Like, you, you, like he trusted him as well. I couldn't believe he won his first All Ireland at 19, and that Heffo trusted him to lead that Dublin team at, at such a young age as well. Like he was. Um, from everything you read, he had at all. He had the fielding ability, obviously, which was so much more important yeah. then than it is now. That midfield position, uh, kicking off both feet and the huge physicality and that you know that 
enforcers use the word used. In I think you need to be hardy games. at 19 years of age coming yeah. into the Ireland final in that era because those Kerry games are often shown on GA Gold. Cause or it's like was it the Golden Years video I, I watched when I was young. Yeah, and like you got to be able to look after yourself when you're a teenager. Now he's a big man, so therefore he was able to because he had that kind of size and physicality. But you have to have a, something about you at a yeah. time when you know you're going up against a very experienced team. And that Kerry side have been to multiple All Ireland finals as well going into the mid 70s. So it's uh, some call by Heffo to put him in at that age as well. And what a show of trust in a 19 year old in such a big occasion. Big time. We'll pay tribute to Brian at about half one on the show today. Now, North London Derby is very exciting. It's one all. John, how do you feel? As a Spurs fan? Um, I feel the Spurs, are, Spurs were way too deep, uh, lads, earlier on. Um, and Thomas Pardy, an excellent goal in the, I think it was the 20th minute. Lovely finish. Yeah, it was a lovely right finish corner. from outside the area. But Spurs way too deep, gave him a, like plenty of time on the ball and he put into the top corner as third goal for Arsenal. And then Spurs on a break, which is the way they're playing today. Uh, Richarlison was fouled in the box by Gabriel. Um, Harry Kane with a penalty straight down the middle as Ramsdale dived and uh, won one. Yeah, so Arsenal, as you would have expected, came out all guns blazing early doors, were dominant. Spurs too deep, I would have felt. But Spurs on the counter, which is the way they're playing, mm. do look dangerous. Yeah, they could catch them on the break as well. Uh, just look at the possession, 59% possession at the minute to, to Arsenal. They have a few shots on target each. It's it, it's a good, like, it's a setup for North London Derby that we all wanted. I know it's early in the season, but both teams playing well. And also we'll say a lot about both teams, where they're at, because this debate about Arsenal is that they're not Arsenal anymore mm. that they've got a bit more steel about them that they be, might be a bit more consistent mm. even the game that they lost they it, might not have lost it yeah a bit of concern here for Martin Odegaard although I think he's going to be okay it's, this is playing in a similar enough pattern to the Manchester United yeah. against Arsenal game which Arsenal lost where despite the fact as you mentioned that Spurs retreated back quite deep and allowed Arsenal to have a lot of the ball in the first 20-25 minutes Spurs still looked very dangerous when they did break like Emerson Royal had a very good chance probably the best chance before the goal from Thomas Partey to actually score and Tottenham were fashioning a few good chances when they went on the break and Richarlison has got a little bit of space as a result as well so despite the fact that Arsenal are doing a lot of the passing and doing a lot of the pressing high up the pitch when Tottenham do break they're very very effective and that's kind of how Manchester United caught them for the second yes. and third goals at Old Trafford as well so interesting to see if Arsenal have learned from that and also what might happen in the second half with players having been away for the international break yeah. for the last couple of weeks it's difficult to play in this half 12 kickoff, particularly Oof. when you've had minimal time in the training pitch it was incredible skill by Gabriel Jesus who weaved his way through the Tottenham defence there and put it into the arms of Larice, but so dangerous. Staying very calm there, John. Fair play to you. Yeah, it's, uh, maybe it's too early for me in the day uh, to be <laughs> like like the players themselves. Have you been to many North London derbies or any? Um, uh, I've been to one. Uh, Nuruddin Nabet scored in November 2004. And for nine minutes, I just looked at the sky and said, well, there's not many better better feelings than this in life. And <laughs> Arsenal won the game 5-4. Oh, that was the invincible season, wasn't it? Uh, the season afterwards. Season after. so they probably were still in the run. Yeah, um, yeah, nine minutes of my life uh, that I'll never get back. But I was just looking at the sky at the old White Hart Lane, and I had, um, I think it was Martin Yall's first game, <laughs> and Wenger in front of me. I was in the press box working for Today FM at the time, and obviously you know you were impartial as we always are. Of course, of course, uh, a bit less impartial these days. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm only joking. So five four was just crazy. Uh, Arsenal just kept scoring goals. What a game get to get to see! Yeah, though. was yeah. And I've only when I was going through derbies, lads. I was going through. I mean, I I would really classify Liverpool Man United as a derby. I think it's a bigger derby than Liverpool Everton or Man United Man City. Actually, yeah, I was at that one last year for the first time at Old Trafford. United yeah. Liverpool. I know it, it, it was something, something else. else. It is. That was a five 0 game to Liverpool. So United. 
United fans were left a bit muted. But that was the Ollie at the wheels chance. It was the Ollie at the wheel. It was Salah's uh, destroying Harry Maguire. Um, Which is, uh, but like I always say with any sport, the first few, the minutes before it kicks off. Yeah, yeah. Uh, oh. Those moments. I've been looking enough to be at that at um, Anfield and Old Trafford. But I was going through this, lads. There's loads of derbies I haven't been to. I've never been to the Old Firm, never been to the Classico, never been to the Super Classico, never been to the Milan Derby. What about you, Will? Um, there's a few I'd like to go at to. At Town Longford? I was going to say Borough Hold against... on now. At Town Longford last night, that was derby of the weekend so far. Joining those commentary on Aaron Robinson's goal is incredible. It's the equaliser for Longford Town in the second half at Lissy Wollen. <laughs> Fires from about, I'd say, 25 yards out into the top corner. Best goal you're probably going to see all weekend. And then Joey and Doe manages to enhance it and turn it into a potential Puskas contender because of his commentary. Joey absolutely <laughs> loses the head altogether about the goal. So I um, implore anyone to check it out. It is on the SSC or Tristy League uh, website. And the end of the day, that result is not going to mean a whole lot in the first division this year. But it means a whole lot to the people of the Midlands to see who the top team in the Midlands are at the end of the year. Well, that's very important as well. Just as much as Arsenal Spurs at the moment. I think I'd probably call it for my night a rivalry as opposed to a derby directly. Even though there is the whole kind of, you know, it's like a canal derby because they're so the close road. to each other. The there's not derby. between them. Um, at the same time, I think derbies are more defined by geography, I think, rather than... Like I, would, I would call the classic over rivalry rather than derby. Interesting. The first thing I noticed about the being at Old Trafford for United Liverpool, like I've been in obviously a lot of games over the years at Old Trafford, and but never felt an atmosphere like that before the game where there was a little bit of danger in the air. There was you know, the police horses separate. Danger versus geography. So you think geography is more important than yeah, danger? I do. I do. <laughs> well, the danger, you see, and there's there's a horrible element to those derbies as well. Now, where I mean, you mean good danger? You mean like just the tension? Well, there, not negative. Yeah, yeah there, there's a bit. Of, there was a bit of both. There was there was that little uh, bit of nice tension, but then there was also the United fans chanting about um, Hillsborough, Liverpool fans doing the playing gestures Sorry, back. Rovers Bohemians is that geographically close enough to be a derby? Ah, yeah, still, that's a city derby. Like that's. You <laughs> know. Two, two teams in the one city who are going up against each other. It's North versus South. It's uh, all the history around it as well. Modern United and Dock used to be the one I used to love. Right. Going to and go to Keegan as a kid, but sadly. Have you been to any of Derby as well? Been to Old Firm or anything? I have been to a few. Um, I haven't been to an Old Firm yet, which is one that I really want to go That's to. That's high up the list for me um, as well, yeah. <laughs> I'm not sure whether it'd be Ibrox or uh, Celtic Park you'd want to go to if you were going to uh, the Derby between the two. <laughs> um, maybe hide the Irish accent if you're going into the home end at Rangers potentially. <laughs> but um, That is one I would really like to go to. That is definitely on the bucket list. I've been to... A London derby. I've been to Arsenal against Spurs. Can't remember exactly what season. It was the mid two thousands, and it was a real rotter. I think Arsenal won one nil. So I didn't get to see the ones like the David Bentley uh, classic goal. I would love to have gone to that one, for example. There's been the a four few, all, wasn't it? I think that was, was an incredible game. Like there's been a few good games between Arsenal and Spurs, oh, yeah. and the one that I picked to go to uh, about what 13, 14 years ago now it was a damn squib entirely. So maybe I'm just a bad luck charm when it comes to these games. A half time, Arsenal won. Spurs won. Spurs have a terrible record in these North London derbies at the Emirates or at Highbury as it was one win in 29 last win was in 2010 and they've got a poor record away to Chelsea as well so maybe it's something about Tottenham's character but yeah interesting fascinating it's beautifully poised as they say in cliche land yeah yeah we're, we're actually spoiled for derby this weekend as well with, I mean the Manchester derby tomorrow read an, a mad, mad stat this morning that the only United manager that has won on their first visit as United manager to City since World War 2 is Ole Gunnar Solskjaer so, which is a mad stat uh, and obviously Eric Ten Hag taking United for the first time to, to the Etihads tomorrow. So Former Bayern Munich manager versus former Bayern Munich's vibe manager yeah. when they were both at the club at the same Feisty. time. Well. I read the mandatory athletic article on that this morning. Right. The Ten Hag years at Bayern. Of course, of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. For the weekend that's in it. So, 
It's going to be Erling Haaland five goals against Martinez tomorrow. Do you know what? I'm 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 actually really looking forward to seeing Haaland against Martinez. Um, like that, there are no easy ways to stop Erling Haaland, but a little bit of shit housery maybe from Lissandra Martinez, a little bit of aggression. Um, I know Re- Netherlands played Belgium, I think, last week, and and uh, Malasia had a very good performance from what I gather against Kevin De Bruyne as well so they're, they're, they'll be carrying that into this this window as well So, Not to uh, take you on a tangent here but did you see Molassi's goal he scored in training oh, last week? And Van Hal's reaction Van Hal, Oh Molassi yeah. yeah. <laughs> Outside of the left boot into the far right corner and Louis Van Hal just losing his head over it <laughs> Uh, loves the kid obviously he's been raving about him um, you know in, in, in matches as well Terrell Molassi they United might do player. well at that World Cup I think they seem to have a happy camp the Netherlands. they're in the Nations League yeah. last four now. semi-finals yeah uh, don't know if they've got enough strikers, but um, same issue as the Euros. They're still very reliant on probably Memphis Depay in yeah. order to score the goals from up front. But just get a got sense some of nice flux about this World Cup, lads. I don't know you guys, but I get a sense of it could yeah. be it could be a bit more open than we think. Yeah, Louis well, Van Hal brought a worse squad to World Cup semi-final back in 2014, so there is that. Like, and he is a good tactician when it comes to one-off cup games like this. So. Brazil have it won though, John. And oh yeah, <laughs> in the yeah. bag. Well, I, I told you that, and we'll play it back in. Uh, yeah, Christmas yeah. week. You called it. Yeah, you called it. La- was it last Christmas even? Did we do a piece well, preview like, on that? Wham. I think we. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. definitely start. Definitely start of the year. Yeah, we previewed. We previewed. Yeah, the and I called it year. start of the year. Yeah, some yeah. things have gone right and some things have not gone well, right. Well, yeah, you can't get them all right. But I got the All Ireland winners right, but that wasn't very hard. Hmm. I was well. still warned. Like I think Argentina are now five games away, so it will be during the World Cup if they break the record for the longest unbeaten. But you're run. such a messy man that you want this for Messi. Uh, yeah, I think it'd be nice cherry on top. And the blue the jersey, the blue t-shirt. And um, yeah, no, no white in it whatsoever. But you know, <laughs> um, but yeah, no, look, I think this um, this Argentina team have come through two major championships unbeaten. The only defeat was on penalties in this spell that they're on. It's um, Italy of the fifties. I think that they're going to overtake if they go their next five games unbeaten. So. Mm-hmm. The World Cup's going to be interesting. Look, it's a bit away yet. We could have well of injuries in this horrible run of games that's going to happen for every team between now and November. So I think it's hard probably to assess all teams because a lot could change between now and the actual kickoff. Come very quickly. I'd love to see uh, see Denmark or a dark horse kind of do some damage. Um, I love when a dark horse gets to you know. I remember, there's always one. It could be a 2002 job where you had South Korea and Turkey in the semis. Like you could have two random teams make it fairly deep. Um, and Brazil, of course, went on to win that one as well, John. So yeah, yeah. It could be a, an echo. I think Brazil need to win a World Cup, to be honest. Uh, yeah, just for their own, just for the sake of South America, or Argentina for the sake of South American football. It's been too, they've been all getting done by European teams too often. Yeah, yeah, it'll be. It's going to come around so quickly. It's October now, so uh, yeah, next October month. The first it's next month. Um, so yeah, at least we have that to look forward to. So what have we got elsewhere? Yeah, yeah, we'll talk a bit of uh, Premier League because uh, there is other action today apart from the North London derby, which is uh, one all at half time at the Emirates between Arsenal and Tottenham Hotspur. Graham Potter takes charge of his first Premier League fixture as Chelsea manager when they travel to Crystal Palace at three o'clock. Potter has joked he's unlikely to get the best reception when he finally takes charge of his first Premier League game since his appointment last month. The death of the Queen and an international break meant he's had to wait for his first league game. He's not beaten Palace in seven attempts. I miss those stats that. that <laughs> That bring a bit of negativity, yeah. Well, it just, it just goes to show how the Premier League is and how tough it is. Um, we've had uh, some tough games against Palace, some games where we could have maybe won, but it is what it is. The margins are, are small. While the man who replaced Potter at Brighton, Roberto De Zerbi, begins his tenure with his new side facing Liverpool at Anfield at three o'clock. Liverpool manager Jurgen Klopp says he's puzzled by the criticism Trent Alexander-Arnold receives for his defensive ability. The fullback didn't play in either of England's recent games, and boss Gareth Southgate said Newcastle's Kieran Trippier is ahead of him in the pecking order. Klopp says his player is under too much scrutiny for his work tracking back, given how much he contributes going forward. With him, you pick it out, analyse so easy. I just don't get that part of it. 
So that we just accept that a world-class talent gets judged by the one thing he's not as world-class as in other things. If he would not be a good defender, he wouldn't play. Club really running to the defence of Trent Alexander. Ah, fair play to him. Maybe he deserved that uh, defence, Alexander Arnold, because he has been getting a, a lot of stick. I think it's worth listening to the full exchange there as well, where mm-hmm. Club speaks for about two and a half to three minutes about the fact that he has got a role for Trent Alexander Arnold, where he wants to make the most of the abilities that he has going forward. So, therefore, in a high pressing team, he wants Trent Alexander Arnold to be an effectively nearly a right wing position as opposed to a right back position and so therefore he accepts that Liverpool structurally are sometimes going to leave gaps which can't be blamed on Trent as an individual if that's the system where he wants to get him in positions where he's going to whip in good balls into the box and like Trent Alexander-Arnold has been so important over the last four or five seasons Mm. with all the success that Liverpool have had I just get the feeling that he's not a stylistic fit for Gareth Southgate. And so I wouldn't be totally surprised if Trent didn't even go to the World Cup because of the options that they have at right back. Southgate is just so conservative first. He does not fit into the right back system that Southgate wants to use. But Southgate's playing players who are out of form, like Maguire and Shaw playing during the week again, despite the fact they can't get it's in. It's all going to end in tears, isn't it? <laughs> Probably, yeah. It's like it's very difficult to see unless they eke out a series of results where they win 1-0 or maybe they go to penalties in some of the games later in the competition. It's very difficult to see that England team. And I know obviously there was a bit of excitement with the game of Germany on Monday night. But it's very difficult to see that England team, if they go behind, actually come back against a decent side. What else you got? Yeah, plenty of other ha- bits happening. Newcastle looking to end their run of six matches without a win as they take on inform Fulham today. Bournemouth host Brentford and Everton travel to Southampton. The late kickoff at half past five sees strugglers West Ham and Wolves face each other at London Stadium. Kean Kavanagh's first goal for Derry City had them moved within two points of SSER Tristy Premier Division leaders Shamrock Rovers last night. The Candy Stripes came away from St Pat's with a 1-0 win. Rovers can re-establish a five-point advantage tonight if they win away to Sligo Rovers. That game gets underway at 7.45pm. Dundalk got the better of last night's Louth Derby, beating Drogheda by two goals to nil. Jimmy Clark's goal was enough to give Bohemians a 1-0 win at home to UCD. And Finn Harps moved off the foot of the table on goal difference following their one-all draw with Shelburne. Galway United could only muster a one-all draw away to Treaty United in the first division last night. They are six points off leaders Cork City with only nine points left to play for each. Wexford aren't out of the playoff hunt just yet following a 4-2 win at home to Bray Wanderers. Waterford were 3-1 winners at home to Cove Ramblers and had finished Athlone 2, Longford 2 in the Midlands Classico. Wexford youths can take another step towards the Women's National League title this evening if they win away to Cup finalists Athlone. Before that, second place Shelburne host Cork City. Galway play DLR Waves and Piedmont face Bohemians. Luton Town are into the Championship playoff places after winning 2-0 away at managerless Hull City last night. They go fifth after inflicting their opponent's fifth consecutive defeat. Hull, of course, sacked boss Shota Arvaladze earlier yesterday. Leaders Sheffield United look to, to at least maintain their three-point advantage at the top when they host Birmingham City this afternoon. Second place Norwich City hope to keep the pressure on their rivals up when they travel to Blackpool. New Huddersfield Town boss Mark Fotheringham takes his team to Reading in his opening game in charge. Cardiff, who are without a manager after sacking Steve Morrison, host Burnley, while Rotherham are also searching for a new head coach and they face Wigan. Coventry still looking for their first win of the campaign, take on fellow strugglers Middlesbrough. Blackburn host Millwall, QPR travel to Bristol City, Sunderland take on Preston and West Brom face Swansea. Rangers have an opportunity to move to the top of the Scottish Premiership, if only for a short time, with a win at at third place Hearts in the lunchtime kickoff. The latest score in that game at halftime is Hearts nil, Rangers 2. Antonio Cholak with the goals for them, a brace after 6 and 30 minutes. 
Uh, champion Celtic would guarantee the end the day, they end the day at the summit with three points at home to Motherwell later. Bottom team Dundee United look for their first victory of the campaign against St Johnston. Kilmarnock travel to Aberdeen, Ross County take on Hibs and St Mirren host Livingston. Want to spend the night with Roddy Collins, folks? Well, we've teamed up with Penguin Ireland to celebrate the release of Roddy's new autobiography, The Rodfather, with a special night at the Sugar Club in Dublin on Thursday, October 13th. Richie McCormick will be joined in the night by The Rodfather himself, the book's ghostwriter Paul Howard, and some very special guests. Promise to be a cracking night, so check out thesugarclub.com for tickets. Some rugby news as well. As Ulster's winning start of the season was brought to an end by Leinster last night. First half tries from Ryan Baird and Dan Sheehan helped Leinster to a 20 points to 10 win at Kingspan Stadium in Belfast. Connacht remain without a point to their name after their 28-14 loss away to the Vodacom Bulls. Meanwhile, Graham Rowntree has made four changes to his Munster side following last week's horror show away to the Dragons. They welcome Zebra to Musgrave Park this evening where kick-off is at 5 past 5. Uh, I'll have to check the golf latest scores in a minute because yeah. the Alfred Dunhill Lynx Championship is ongoing there. I'll come back to that. I know Patrick Harrington uh, had been 500 par after four holes of his third round. Richard Mansell uh, was the overnight leader in that one. We'll mention the, uh, the Formula 1 as well, lads. Formula 1 team Red Bull facing a financial penalty or points deduction amid reports of overspending last season. A lot of controversy over this in Formula 1 at the minute. Their driver Max Verstappen won the championship on a dramatic final day and could retain the title at this week's Singapore Grand Prix. So, so points deduction now... No, no kind of implications on last year's title race. No. Yeah, exactly. So it, it's 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 very controversial. Given even Mercedes had a lot of job layoffs because of these uh, reductions in in um, all very cloudy, spending. isn't it? So Seems very all, cloudy. It's all very cloudy. But they, it's the Toto Wolf versus Christian Horner stuff again, which which we do love to see. I have to say, um, it's always enjoyable. I see Horner is already disowned. Some said he's potentially going to take legal action against some of the comments that Wolf has made this week. So this is going to get messy and. I was just the first, my first thought was, you know, Netflix are obviously filming away at the moment. Max Verstappen is a very good chance he wins the title this weekend with still plenty of races left in the season. This might well provide a bit of drama towards oh, the end. Oh, sport is entertainment again, is it? Um, I, th- I think so. I mean, I think with Formula One, particularly, you want some narratives which are going to be interesting. Yeah, I, I've switched off actually since that last um, weekend. <laughs> was it Abu Dhabi last year? I've, I've, I've switched off. I've yeah. switched off the whole thing now. I think, I think a lot of people have switched off. It was fun of while it lasted. <laughs> Verstappen has um, because of his sheer dominance made it a little, little bit less interesting for the neutrals um, There is an irony though if you're Red Bull um, Shane that they might consider because of the vast difference in the points at the moment and I know they want to win the Constructors title too but if you're to take a punishment that's in points rather than financial yeah. now is probably the time to do so because Max well, could yeah. just easily go around and win the title anyway Exactly it makes sense just just looking at the, the third practice classification from uh, this morning as well it was a bit of a rain interrupted uh, session in, uh, in Singapore the delayed due to rain as well but when the gates opened Charlotte Clare was the quickest man on track followed by Max Verstappen Ferrari teammate Carlos Sainz of Leclerc the other Red Bull of Sergio Perez and two time winner of the Singapore Grand Prix Fernando Alonso had a good uh, morning as well uh, for Mercedes they had trouble getting the intermediate tyres into the right window George Russell finished in ninth place while Lewis Hamilton ended the session in 12th Hamilton had been the quickest I think yesterday in, in, in the early practices as well qualifying is just getting underway uh, and the race of course tomorrow Verstappen can seal the title and this is how he can do it uh, first off, Verstappen must win the race, and if, if he does win, Charlotte Claire must finish lower than eighth, with uh, teammate Sergio Perez finishing fourth or lower for the Dutchman to be crowned champion. If Verstappen picks up the extra point for the fastest lap, then Leclerc must finish lower than seventh. So basically, outscore Leclerc by 22 points and Perez by 13 points, and the title will be handed to Verstappen. Serious vibes of Kevin Kilban in the Nations League. Right <laughs> I hope people are still with me. Yeah, if he's used the f- you about 30 seconds, yeah. Ago, to be honest. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of... Basically, in other words, he probably won't win the, the championship this weekend, but probably will win it next weekend, I'd imagine. Are you going to get up uh, to watch it? 
I'll probably get up to watch it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, Singapore's always that's commitment. Well, Singapore's always fun. Um, there's always controversy uh, in Singapore as well. There's often been some great races. The heat. I think the drivers, twenty five degrees even at night time, and obviously the heat of the engine. I think it's it's around sixty degrees Celsius for the drivers, mm. based around the the engine and the temperatures outside. They lose pounds of weight in in this race. Like they just. It's a very stylish race to watch as well, Shane. Yeah, like yeah. aesthetically, it's, it's very fun to watch, but. Yeah, the I don't know what the early morning start for you me. You sound like me talking about horse racing here. <laughs> <laughs> trying to get a, trying to get everyone else excited about it, but I, I but I think a lot of Formula One fans are still interested in in the in the race. We'd like to see some other drivers win a race this season. Hamilton hasn't even won a race this season yet, so uh, we'll see if that happens. But uh, yeah, the qualifying just getting underway in uh, Marina Bay so, a while ago there, so uh, we'll keep you up to date on that. Uh, some other news as well. Take two for Bray Emmett and Glenelie in this afternoon's Wicklow Senior Hurling Final replay. Bray attempting to win a fourth successive title and throw in at Ockram is at half past three. The snooker, uh, Mark Allen, having a great tournament at the British Open. Uh, he's into the semi-finals for the first time in his career. Earlier in the quarterfinals beat Judd Trump. Uh, also then went on to beat Mark Selby by five frames to three in Milton Keynes. Definitely the form player heading into these semi-finals, uh, which are getting underway today. Mark Allen is on the base at the minute against Napon Saint Cam in the first semi-final. Then this evening at seven p.m. you have Ryan Day taking on Robbie Williams. Let me entertain you. Not hmm. that Robbie Williams. And then the final, of course, tomorrow. Uh, the two sessions at uh, one p.m. and seven p.m. While in racing, there is an eight-race card at Gowran Park this afternoon. The first off at a quarter to two, and ten minutes later, a seven-race card commences. At Clarny, we of course have the Ark as well. This Luxembourg, weekend. an Irish favourite for the Ark. Only six Irish horses have ever won the European Championship of Flat Racing in France. Baddy Moss alleged. Sindar, see the stars. Uh, Who's going to win Th- it, John? Dylan Thomason found. Who do you, you think is going to win it? Uh, I haven't decided yet. I'm going to Tipperary tomorrow uh, for their meeting, so I'll probably tweet it out who I think is going to win at John Duggan Sport if anybody's still following me. Virtual Insanity has had an absolute. Um, Run in recently, a very, very good run, I must say. It has, uh, and we're going to be starting a new product digitally. Uh, check out our podcast network on OTB. Mark your card between now and December across racing, golf, and football with expert advice and some investment advice for Absolutely. a year each way. So, told people I'd update them on the Alfred Dunhill Links Championship, yep. so I will. Podrick Harrington uh, for today's one under for his round through 13 holes. That leaves him uh, five under for the tournament after his previous rounds of 69 and 71. That five under is seven off the lead of England's Richard Mansell. He's on 12 under. Uh, he currently, Richard Mansell, is on, uh, he's through 11 holes. He's two under for the day. Uh, one shot ahead of the Swede, Alex Noren. Um, so what a play for there I'm just going to check how the other Irish are getting on as well pretty Audrey. sure Lowry and Colwell aren't going to make the cut they were 5 McElroy's back on 1 under McElroy 1 yeah. under amazing yeah. from Paul de Carrington he's still doing it he's in the top 20 over 50 years of age he's killing it um, there's just such a natural links golf what about this Emerging Ireland tour f- folks I, I think this is a real positive I have to say you're getting lads putting on the Irish jersey getting experience of a tour whatever the standard of the opposition I know it's disruptive for the provinces yeah. Like Balakoon, for example, wasn't involved for Ulster last night. I think it's a really good thing, though, for Ireland. Yeah, the Grit Quiz weren't up to a whole lot yesterday. Um, the stream was a little bit choppy, I must admit, but mm-hmm. I did watch through it while it was on. I did seven different try scores. I think the fact that Jack Crowley had a very good game where it frees up Ben Healy to play and compete with Carberry for a starting place at Munster while he's away. I think it was all determined by the players who went. Like The vast majority of players who have left, with the exception of a few frontline players like Balakoon and Max Deegan, 
are players who were on the under-20 squad over the last couple of championships, and therefore they were probably going to be, to use a rugby term, third or fourth on the depth chart for most of their positions at the provinces, so they probably wouldn't have played a whole lot. And the fact that Connacht were in South Africa meant that if changes needed to be made, as worked out with the injuries, they were to slot some more Connacht players in who were already out in South Africa. They're probably going to have two slightly more difficult games than the one that they had on Friday. But I think from a general sense, this is good for the coaching team, particularly for Simon Easterby, who has been empowered to take charge of this with Mike Catta also out there with them. Well, Andy Farrell can stay here and get ready for November. I don't think too many of the players who are on the emerging tour will be involved in this November or in the Six Nations next year. But this is looking a little bit further down the line, probably more towards the next World Cup cycle as opposed to this one. OK, Willa Callahan, Shane Hannan, thanks so much as always for joining me in the news round. Remember, folks, as you're binging on sport this weekend, pick out your best performance of the weekend, whether it's the player, manager or even the ref. Tune into OTB's Instagram page tomorrow evening, Sunday. Leave your selection in the comments under our performance rankings post. If your selection matches our top pick live on Monday's OTB AM, then you're in with a chance of winning a Gillette ProGlide razor, skin guard, shaving gel and ProGlide refill blades pack. That is the Gillette Labs performance rankings for an effortless finish to your day.